Hi, my name is Adam, and I've never seen Foxcatcher. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fine All Watch This. My name is Johnny. I'm Bridget. And tonight we are doing an Olympic-themed movie. Kind of. A little. A yeah, little. a little. A little. Yeah. There's Olympics as mentioned a little bit, and there are people who are getting ready for said event. But Adam has never seen Foxcatcher before. Adam has a little bit of history with wrestling in high school, so I think he's going to bring a lot to the table with this episode tonight. But I'm just going to throw it right back at you, Adam. What do you know about this movie? Do you know the story behind it? Do you know who's in it? What are your initial thoughts sort of going into tonight? So I actually know quite a lot about this in terms of the cast. Like the cast is star-studded. It's Steve Carell, Channing Tatum, uh, Mark Ruffalo. Yep. I think those are the three mains. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of other cast of characters that I've no. I think just some minor roles and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just people that I've seen in a million other things, character actors and what have you. The story I am familiar with just from the marketing of this. Like, I've never seen any documentaries on it. I don't remember oh, okay. this took place. I think there's been a, a huge influx of documentaries since the movie came out and, like, surrounding the release of the yeah. movie. That I always put off watching. So I was like, well, I want to watch the movie and then I want to, like, learn about the history rather than the other way around. I think just because I like fictional movies more than documentaries, even though I do like both. I'd rather just see the... The narrative version of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I know that it's about a wrestling training school for people who are, you know, competing in nationals and the Olympics and all these different things. And it's run by, I don't remember his first name, but it's DuPont, like the DuPont fortune of enamel and non-scratch coating. <laughs> paint <laughs> right, and right. Um, the people who sponsor Jeff Gordon's race car. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's a murder. I don't remember who gets murdered or if it's just an attempted murder, but there's murder afoot because there's probably some inappropriate things going on and the, the team is keeping secrets and, and all kinds of stuff from there. And so it's and Steve Crow wears a lot of prosthetics because he looks very wonky. It's either prosthetics or it's just makeup when he gained a bunch of weight, but like he looks weird. Does not look like himself. Correct. Um, so I, I remember when this came out, I don't know why I didn't go. I I don't think I would have been going to the movies nearly as often in 2014 when this movie came out, but it was one of those ones where like I wanted to go, didn't. I think maybe because it's an in, more of an indie movie and like the Oscar bait kind of thing. I'm not like, even sure if this movie ever got a wide release. I think this was like a limited New York, LA, maybe opened up as a sort of Chicago and other areas. It definitely would have been here for a little bit, like a couple of weeks. It might have been like in a blue uh, bow or tie blow type. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bow. Um, a week at Real Art Ways. Right. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I, I know it came around. And again, it could have just been one of those things where I was busy that weekend sure. and couldn't go to it. So I'm not sure. The specifics of why I didn't go see it, but I remember wanting to, and then I think I, I like bought it on Blu-ray at one point because it was like in it like a used Blu-ray bin at a store or something like that. I was like, all right, cool, I'm gonna buy this, and then like I'll finally sit down and watch it, and then I just 
didn't. And then it like got added to my Netflix queue and it never got watched. And then a documentary about it got added to my Netflix queue and it never got watched. And I think now I have a digital copy from something like a free giveaway, you know, the holidays or a promotional something still never got watched. So I'm finally <laughs> going to finally going to do it this time for, for this show right now. Cool. And Bridget, how about you? What, what's your experience with uh, the catchers of foxing? Uh, this was not the first Foxcatcher-related piece of media that I saw. I believe that the first that I saw was the 30 for 30 documentary, mm-hmm. which I believe is called The Prince of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. which is excellent. I think that's the one I added to my Netflix account. <laughs> so good. But I had never known the story and immediately became fascinated by it. Um, so sought this out, ended up watching. There's a Netflix documentary called Team Foxcatcher as well. So two, also there, yeah. <laughs> two came out in rapid succession, yep. were added to Adam's queue and, <laughs> and ignored. And I thought it was excellent. I was intrigued by the whole thing and enjoyed the movie. I will say I enjoyed the documentaries more, but mm. I don't think it that means the film is any less. How about you, Johnny? I believe I've seen this once fully. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I've seen it once for sure. Twice, I'm not too sure about. It was one of those movies where the interest that I had with it was that it was in a like a pretty jam-packed award season contender with the accolades of just all the acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the director did Moneyball, so I was very interested in what he had to do with this. And I think my first introduction to the story of this was through this and not the documentary. I have seen one of those documentaries. I don't, I forget which one may have been the Netflix one, but really fascinating story. I remember the acting to be excellent between all three leads, like not like a weak spot at all. You'd have to sort of be a nitpick to to find which one you really sort of gravitated to without giving too much away. I remember the tone was the same throughout. It's, And it's one of those reasons why I have maybe not revisited it, because it is a hard movie to watch. It's very somber, I think is the right word for it. But it's just one of those movies where it's like, oh, yeah, that movie's so good, but do I want to go there again? And I'm willing to go there tonight because it's it's a good reason and excuse to see it again and revisit it. And I'm glad to see uh, Adam having interest in seeing it or basically not seeing it, which is more interesting to me because I know he has wrestled in high school. And maybe understands the sport better than me and Bridget ever will. But really fascinating. I love sort of the stories of just people who have like incredible wealth and like the sort of shit they get away with and the sort of like the at the top and falling from the top. This isn't sort of like a rise story at all. He's already there. The DuPonts are already there. Yeah, it's just Foxcatcher is like completely well known. Oh yeah, correct. Yeah. So it's yeah. fascinating to like get like a peer in on like that sort of super wealthy life. Not to like sidetrack, but started watching like, like Succession recently, like a really good show on HBO. So good. I watched the first season, I think like a year or two ago, and then I realized I actually just out of searching that it had won like the best show of last year, the Emmys or whatever. I'm like, oh crap, I should probably watch this ahead of time. And for the same reasons I like that, mm-hmm. it just you either like you're like it's either nails on a chalkboard, you can't stand these people, or you can't watch anything about them, or it's like endlessly fascinating to you. Mm-hmm. Like that sort of a super wealthy, seedy, sort of like dark underbelly of of these uh, these rich families. But I do like sports, tragedies, and like real – it's expected it's a true story too. This could have mm-hmm. easily been like a really good screenplay. 
someone came up with and like that was the story but the fact that it's true is wild um yes it has that sort of element of murder not mystery because you pretty much see everything that happens yeah but it i think the advertising alludes to the fact you're going to be seeing this so Mm -hmm. they sort of like get you ready for that and they don't really pitch it as sort of like a mystery or a whodunit or or whatever. Mm. I suppose the only thing that you would really know going into is that there is violence and there's three people in it that may have like motivations across the board for maybe doing it. Mm-hmm. Or they may do some clever sort of filmmaking to show you, hey, this person might be doing it or the other person might be doing it. But someone's doing a murder. But someone's doing murder. Someone's doing, someone's doing murder. murder. Um, and again, uh, murder among something that just garnered with such high professional respect, like a sport, like a, an mm-hmm. Olympic sport, like something like this would actually happen in this setting uh, is really interesting to me as well. Yeah, I mean, there's high-pressure situations, and I, I don't know how much of this takes place in gearing up for Olympics, but that's obviously part of training to be a, a wrestler at the level that these characters will be doing it, just from what I know, I that breeds a lot of stuff. Like there's a lot of sure. anxiety and a lot of pressure and a lot of just built up anger. And you got to repress that in the wrestling room. Cause you can't flip out on the dude who's paying your bills. And cause like, there is no, I mean, there is professional wrestling, but there's no like professional amateur style wrestling. Right. So like this dude's letting you live on his property, which I think is the case. And like you train in his facilities and he's giving you the singlets and he's buying you the tracks, the matching track suits. Like you're going to do, more than what you probably otherwise would have, and that's going to get you in trouble. Yeah. That's what I imagine this to be. And I remember, I, I imagine the, the the pressure is incredible because you're not playing a sport like basketball or soccer where there's almost a constant sort of like team strategy to how you're going to win. You are just thrown out on the mat, the spotlight's on you, and there's a lot of pressure to sort of nail your part mm-hmm. in it without the help of anyone really else. You know what I mean? There's obviously the training that goes into it beforehand. Yeah. Um, but it's really just for those amount of minutes, it's really up to you to sort of grab the W mm-hmm. opposed to sort of like hoping someone assist you in the matter like hockey or anything like that. Well, even like other individual sports, like a tennis or something like that, there's still judges that are there sure. and can mess with it or, you know, impact the the final results. But like, wrestling it's you you get a takedown or you don't like you you pin them or you don't like yeah. there's not a lot of leeway there's not a lot of wig room. i mean when you get to that level there is like judges rulings and things like and that points like, and things like that yeah in the olympics but the points all come from doing specific things it's not as objective necessarily as you know that ball was on the line or that ball was out of bounds or any of those other things that can happen in individualized sports it just stats against like your player history where it doesn't really go towards like mm-hmm. the win per se, kind of like in like a baseball or something like that. Yeah. Now, have you? I can't think of any other movies that have tackled this subject as far as like Olympic wrestling, professional wrestling like this. Yeah, I don't think there are a ton. I'm sure there's ones about like high school wrestling. Um, I mean, there's the movie Vision Quest, but that's not real. Like, it's not based on a true story. <laughs> um, but that, like, there are some movies where there are wrestlers in it, and that's part of the movie. Yeah. Um, there was one a couple years ago, which I still haven't seen, but I heard it was very good, called Win Win with um, Paul Giamatti. Oh, okay. Where he, like, I think he's a wrestling coach. That's right. Know? Yeah, I was trying to think. Yeah. He, uh, I think he adopts a kid, or he, like, takes in a person who's, like, th- their mom goes to jail or something like that yeah. and raises him to be a man and a good wrestler and all these different things. And I heard it was wonderful, but again, I just never 
never got around to. Right, right. I think because it's not a sport that gets a lot of the the sports movie play, it's not one that I'm like, oh, I really need to seek that out because there are a million other good wrestling sports movies. Like, I'll watch a baseball movie because there are so many good baseball movies. Sure. Moneyball being one of them. So the fact that this is the same director is very exciting to me because I do really like Moneyball. But it's not like you can go and be like, oh, remember those other five awesome movies about high school collegiate Olympic <laughs> wrestling? Right. This could be one of those. Let's go see it. They don't exist, really. Yeah. It does seem like it's a sport that's overshadowed a lot by the other uh, schools, uh, the organization sports and things like that. Like, I would always have to seek out, like, my cousin or you or anyone else in high school to even mm-hmm. hear about what was happening in your corner of, of, of the sports in mm-hmm. the school. So I think there's well, a reason. That's unique to hear more. There are, like, the Midwest, it's the biggest thing in other than football. Sure. Like any of these Midwestern, your Oklahoma's, your Iowa's, Iowa State, like they're, those are big wrestling schools, collegiately at least. So I would imagine the high school level would also be pretty intensive. If there's not football, well, football would be over because it's a winter sport, but like that's the winter sport. It's like screw the basketball team, like they'll do whatever, but like we're here to see the wrestlers, like those are the, the big money programs out in like the Midwest, but like here in the Northeast, it's not nearly as big a deal. It certainly doesn't get the the television viewing that you would see from other sports that would be generated. No, I mean, the, the NCAA tournament's still on like ESPN two, you know, each February or March or whenever the season's over, but it's not the, you know, they're not selling out football stadiums with a wrestling mat in the middle of it. (laughs) (laughs) The way they do the college basketball tournament that sells out like a football stadium with a basketball court just smacked out in the middle of it. They don't have that for this kind of wrestling. The Olympics would be the biggest that you get, and those arenas are typically full depending on the situation, but it hasn't really been that way here in America for a while. We haven't had like a, oh man, this guy's going up against the big Russian dude and it's so exciting. Like There aren't even as many of those stories where you could make a movie out of it or some kind of narrative-focused arena. Gotcha. Now, as far as the actors in the movie, is what like what are some of your favorites? I mean, we have some people in here who kind of go against the grain. I know Steve Carell has kind of got, jumped in a little bit into more drama stuff in the last ten years. I want to say probably more dr- dramatic, dr- drama comedy. I don't know, dramedy. dramedy. Yeah. But this is really stark for him, especially I think around that time. So, do you have like any favorites of like that kind of caliber of his roles? I saw what was it. Flags of Our Fathers. Okay. A couple of you, right? Was that the one with him and Brian Cranston? Yeah, I never got around to it, yeah. That was a good movie. Uh, it was a se- technically a sequel to something else with Jack Nicholson, and I don't remember the name of it. Um, but that was good, and that was him in a drama role. There's been a, I feel like I've seen a couple others, but I can't pinpoint them off the top of my head. Yeah, I was trying to watch, what was it, Beautiful Boy or something like that with yeah. Timothy Chalamet where he's the father and he's and yeah, Chalamet's a drug addict. Yeah. Welcome to Marwin. I did like Welcome to Marwin. Oh. I thought that was a neat little story. Um, That's the Mechas, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just saw that recently, too. I don't remember why. I heard that was just bizarre. A lot of people sort of walked away with not really... I mean, it kind of is, but he's good in it. Yeah. Because he's just... He's playing PTSD, so he's not... That's what I kind of gathered from it, that it was going to be about that. Yeah. He's not goofy. He's not The Office. He's not any of those other types of characters. I'm trying to think of what else I've seen that's more like drama. Well, I think there's one where he's 
I would say Catherine Keener because she they did four year version together, but I could have swore they're in like another movie together. Oh, are you thinking of Dan in real life? With that's Julia what I'm maybe, yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Of. I do like that movie. It's, it's <laughs> not brunette. A, yeah, different brunette. It's not a great movie, but it is good. Yeah, I watch it. It seemed like that was sort of maybe it, the start of where he's starting to flirt with like some of the more dramatic elements of it. I don't really remember the movie too much. I know it's a comedy, but yeah, it's <sighs> it tackles more like serious issues than no, not really. It's just. Uh, Dane Cook is dating a girl that's like smart and funny and well read and okay. he's a, a widowed dad and they meet like they meet cute in a bookstore and then he goes to like his family cabin and turns out oh no my brother Dane Cook is actually dating this girl and she, we have to spend this whole like family trip together but oh. like we really hit it off and we're super into each other but it's weird because you know they're brothers or whatever yeah it's not bad I, I like okay. it he is in Little Miss Sunshine, but I don't know that I've seen that all the way through. Oh, that's right. That's really the start of the yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. doing the dramatic turn. That's, that's a, like that's 2000 a great movie, yeah. 2007, 2008 maybe? 2006. So it's right after the 40-year-old virgin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's one where like the, it's literally like a service level comedy, but it's just so thick of like dramatic thick. <laughs> <laughs> it's so deep. Like, you take one, like, shovel full out, and you're seeing a lot of shit. Oh, my gosh. My my aunt loved that movie, and she made my mother watch it, and my mother walked out. She said, <laughs> you told me this would be funny. And, like, just, like, this is painful. I don't need to... I live this. I don't need this. And was furious. I think once they get, out, nature, once they get out on the road, it's, it's pretty funny throughout. But, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's got some pretty dark shit in it. Uh, so it was last flag flying. I don't remember what I said. But you said was... flags were fathers. Yeah, yeah, I was that's, like, that's I don't remember I that. Yeah, that's a different movie. This is last flag. Flying. Right, right. That's the one. So let me just write. I'll just say it clearly. Last flag flying. That one, <laughs> and then I'll cut it back in. <laughs> um, not awkward at all. But just real quick, as far as the other two guys, uh, Mark Ruffalo and Channing Tatum, any any favorites from them? Obviously, I know Ruffalo has been in a slew of the Marvel yeah. movies, which you enjoyed, I'm sure. Yeah, he's he's the Hulk, but I mean, he's never really been the center focus of any of the movies that he's been in. He's always been, you know, a side character. Yeah, I did like what was the one where like, the mom's a lesbian? And oh, the kids are all the right. Kids are all the right. kids are all right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I like that movie. I thought that one was good. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else I've seen of his recently. I've he's always one of those people that oh, he's he's good. He's great in spotlight. He's really good yep. in that movie. Yep. Um, Zodiac. Zodiac's great. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Throw on the list. We'll get there. He was really good, and I know this much is true. That HBO. Oh, you did. I was adaptation. just going to bring that up. That was really good. I enjoyed that a lot because he's playing two two, two roles essentially. Two roles. Oh, I did hear twins, that. Yeah, but yeah, not a ton of stuff that I've seen with him in it. And then Channing Tatum, I've seen the the, the obviously step it up. No. Big fan. Never saw Step It Up. Never saw any of the Magic Mikes. You know, I'm more of the the G.I. Joes. But I don't know a ton of right. his... Uh, does he even have, like, a lot of dramatic roles? Oh, he's great in the 21 Jump Street. Very That's dramatic. Right. Yeah. Um, he is excellent in that. But, yeah, I would say this is... I can't think of anything fairly recently after this, but yeah, like, definitely first dramatic role. Yeah. I mean, he was in... Dear John... Hail Caesar, that's at least... I mean, it's more of a comedy, that's but... That's more of a comedy, yeah. but... It's at least is... more of that... It's different than the other types of things that he was done. Mm-hmm. Right. 
there are large swaths of his <laughs> his <laughs> resume that right. I am not familiar with, uh, and nothing that I would put in this category at the very yeah. least. So I remember hearing that he was good in this, so I'm excited to see if that's true or not. But yeah, now you know. You know some of the, the story, but I mean, do you know, like, who will characters play which? I know Steve Carell, I think you said, is plays He's the DuPont. DuPont. Yeah, and then Tatum and Ruffalo are brothers, I want to say. Okay. Um, and the, I don't remember their names, but they, I think they're brothers. Ruffalo, obviously, being the older, more seasoned of the two, uh, with Channing being that. I think Channing's like the young upstart, like, oh, you're going to be better than your brother. We just got to work with you and mold you. And Okay. I wasn't a, too sure where your head was at with those yeah. two worlds. Again, this is one of those things where, like, I saw all the trailers when it came out. I was like, was ready yeah. and raring to go, and then just never got to it. Yeah. So excited to though. I I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing it all play out, and I think it'll be cool seeing these people in what I imagine is a pretty dark movie, especially considering what you said about having to mentally go there <laughs> to to get into it. Yeah, because it is just. <sighs> It's an ice cold movie, and I believe it's set mostly in the winter. So mm-hmm. it just, it just, the whole movie is very stark. The way it's shot, it's and got like a the, weird color palette too. It's got a weird color palette. Like the walls feel cold. It just like, and everyone just seems like they're just. It's just, it's got like almost a little of a sinister nature to it. Um, well, someone's doing a murder, so right. But it also, it to. takes the sport like really, really seriously, like life or death sort of shit, and you know the injuries, and it's all it's. Really raw, if I had to use one one word, but yeah, I'm excited to go back to it. I'm excited that you have interest in going to it because I know you typically this is not your uh, area of the woods that you like to visit much as far as movies go. So I'm glad you're willing to take that step into this this particular uh, kind of movie. But Bridget, you said you've only seen this once, right? Only seen it once. Okay, and I'll I'll be honest. There are parts of the documentaries that stick out much more in my mind than this movie. Okay. So I'm happy to return and see what I remember. Right, right. And I'm not even sure how they tra- if, if they treated this kind of like a documentary where there are talking heads. I'm not sure if there are or not. I don't believe so. I but don't think so. A think small percentage of me wants to say they're like at one point people talking to the camera or to someone off camera. Cool. Do you have any other last thoughts, guys? Adam, Bridget? No. All right, cool. What do you have to say for yourself? Fine. I'll watch it. back we have just finished watching 2014's Foxcatcher. adam you were in the hot seat tonight 
It was kind of a long movie. What are your initial thoughts on this one? I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I have ne- like we have never finished a movie in complete silence. Yeah, it's but, like the three of us were just like. <sighs> And, like, literally went to separate rooms. <laughs> like, one of us yeah. went to the kitchen, one of us went to the bathroom, and then, Adam, I think you just stayed on the couch. <laughs> it, um, it, yeah, I don't, it's gonna be, this is gonna be hard. Uh, it does, I mean, it certainly doesn't leave you with a lot to chatter about, um, at least, which is gonna be difficult for <laughs> right podcast about talking of bridges beside herself. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I mean, you talk about how we just kind of sat there silently. There's not really a lot to say in the exact like closing moment. It just kind of throws something, and like, I mean, we're just gonna we're, we're spoiling the murder happens with like three minutes left in the movie. Yeah, which is a weird thing because that was one of the things that I knew going in is that somebody does a murder, mm-hmm. um, and. I couldn't remember who did the murdering and who got murdered, though I was fairly certain it was going to play out the way that it did. But I thought there would be more time left to decompress after that, where, like, I thought we'd get motivations, I thought we'd get answers, and we got none of it. And so it really just kind of throws it right at you, and they're like, boom, a murder. And then you just have to walk away from that and come here and sit in this room with you guys and talk about it. It's just, it's... Uh, yeah. As the movie was going, I started to doubt myself. I was like, I don't know that I've seen this movie, actually. Maybe I'm just... Maybe I thought I saw it. Maybe I started it and didn't finish it. Maybe it was um, just the documentaries. No, but I did... I realized I have seen it all, but I think I memory hold all of it because I was so traumatized because the scene where Channing Tatum eats the food, it all came back to me. Like that was the one oh, part of the, the movie hotel. I remembered. Yep. Yeah. I think cause my brain said, this is safe. You like cake. You like chicken. <laughs> this is fine. Everything else put it in a box, right? Compartmentalize it yeah. too dark, which is not to say bad, no. but heavy. Yeah, very heavy. Johnny, what about you? Yeah, I. the reason why I haven't revisited this movie <laughs> is just, it, it, it is that sort of dour, it is that sort of bleak, it is that sort of, you know it's coming. I mean, I knew it was coming, but I, the movie moves kind of like the way they sort of did in the beginning with like the, the, home, the family home movies and the sort of like quasi documentary aspect of this thing too is that it just exists. It doesn't present these events in any sort of way that tries to make this person to be out more sinister than that. They just are that sinister. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't try to. You're just along for the ride, and it never tries to pull yourself in any particular corner. I think. Yeah. No. It's very. You know, all movies in a way are fly on a wall. But you, it feels very voyeuristic. Nothing is ever explicitly stated. You're just given clues in this creepy DuPont mansion complex, and you're left to kind of piece together what is happening. The only person who will ever, the only character, I should say, who ever is really explicit about anything is um, David, I would argue. Mm. And 
his reward is to be murdered, I guess. Um, Congratulations. Congratulations. Congrats. No. Put um, that next to your gold medal. Yeah, but it just does feel like there are some things you can see coming together. You see them before a character knows that they're happening or that they should know that it's sinister. I don't know. And it's like you're powerless to stop it. It's not a runaway train as much as it is a runaway bobsled. And then all of a sudden, like, you're like, oh, oh God, oh, God. Okay, we're at the bottom of the hill. Great. And you hit a tree. Yeah, for the while, it's kind of like these two get together. It's kind of like the odd couple type of situation. And it's working until, like, cocaine shows up in, like, the second act. And I think mm. it kind of pulls, like, a boogie nights a little bit. And, <laughs> and everything kind of starts go Like, the hair changes. They're just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the frosted no, tips did, or whatever. I and, just, that's, yeah, it's true. So I guess just, I don't know, like, off the cuff, Adam, like, what are, is this kind of what you expected with this movie? Is it, did it floor you? Were you exasperated or bored at any time like um i was gonna just say no but you asked so so many questions um, sorry <laughs> no it's fine it it went the way that i thought that it would because again i knew the basic beats going into sure it. i knew we're getting a murder i knew we were getting eccentric rich guy i knew we were getting wrestling and i knew we were getting some kind of sibling Right, not rivalry, but I knew that there was going to be some extra drama because of the familial element. And so I got all of that. Everything was kind of how it was presented in the trailers and in our you know, pre-discussion. I just didn't, I don't think the beats were necessarily there. I thought we would get, like I said, a little bit less of the lead up to the murder and maybe a little bit more after the murder. Just because I, I figured we'd get some kind of or at the very least there'd be more of an explanation beforehand because i still don't really understand granted it just happened five minutes ago for us i don't really understand john's motivations in the end because nothing ever rose to the level of murder in any of their interactions both john mark and dave like i expected at some point through this i would see the seeds planted for a murder or anger rising to the level of murder. Or I thought I would see more if I assumed that Dave was the one that gets murdered by John, I expected to see more of them butting heads, more of an altercation between them, something to set this off. And it doesn't exist at all. Like there's one interaction in a hallway that you don't even hear. That's just like that, that, Dave describes as like awkward. Yeah. And like that's it. And yeah. then it's a throwaway thing of like, oh, it's awkward because his mom died. I'm like, oh, okay. So they have no reason to hate each other. It was just a, you know, and then Dave's super nice about it. He's asking how, how he's doing, how he's holding up, all that stuff. And nothing that either of them do rises to the level of murder, even the like blackmail, so to speak of, hey, I want you to take care of Mark while I stay here. Like even that doesn't, really rise to the level of murder it's like he watched the documentary being made and didn't like his answers and then murdered him I, I, right. that's basically it i mean because there's nothing it's like in reality that dave 
Schultz really could have done that would have warranted murder. No. You know? Very, the, there are very few things that people can do. There are very few. Right? Yeah. Uh, I would that. argue maybe zero. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. It's a different but, podcast. It's a different, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think the film is very interesting in that it doesn't dig into those things. The mm-hmm. documentaries do. You get a lot more context for John's paranoia, what sort of illnesses he was suffering from at the time. But I like that the movie just kind of drops things in, like this man is buying a tank and returning it because there's not a huge gun attached. Yeah. That he allies himself with these very strong masculine forces like the police. He puts together a wrestling team, like physical strength. And Steve Carell's performance is phenomenal. Oh, it's yeah. so good. It, there are things that he does where he refuses to make eye contact. He's very still. Um, the blackmail scene in particular where mm-hmm. Dave is negotiating for Mark to be essentially taken care of. And he is not speaking. He's very much he's looking off away. He's not making eye contact with either of them is so... He's not even making eye contact with his, like, handler person. Yeah, and the handler's just, yeah, taking care of it. And, you know, I love that there's no... I think a lesser movie would sort of give you these explicit beats to look to of, like, ah, that's it, that's, you know, Mm -hmm. that's Chekhov's gun. That's the thing that's going to really kill him. Like, that's, that's what causes, you know, Dave's tragic end. And it gives you all these only these very little unsettling pieces, which I think is the reality of having a lived experience with someone probably like John Dupont. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it just, it read so much as just eccentric billionaire stuff rather than like mm-hmm. seedy, uh, conniving or like evil. Yeah. Which I think is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just this man who mm-hmm. you say no to him. That's enough to warrant murder in mm-hmm. his eyes. But nothing, I felt like nothing was really conveyed to that extent. There's nothing ever even that sinister about it. It's always more just quirky, mm-hmm. which is weird because it's so much worse than that. Yeah. Well, I think, and that's how, especially if you're someone like Dave Schultz, who mm-hmm. I think was very naturally compassionate, nat- naturally empathetic in a way that his brother Mark was not is more willing to turn a blind eye or you're being paid. You're more willing to turn a blind eye mm. or, you know, you've been around rich, weird people like his mother, who's mm. just kind of odd. Yeah. You yeah. know, you start to go, well, this is just how it is. And that's how you get to a point of, you know, you can just show up in someone's driveway with someone in the car with you who has yeah. no idea that you're going to murder someone else that you intend to kill this person. And that person's aren't. Like, it's not like he just brought his butler. Like, he brought the head of security who had his firearm with him in Mm the car. Right. Yeah, I, for me, like, the DuPont, he's a super weak guy, just like mentally and Mm -hmm. physically. And his entire life, he's been fed with a silver spoon. He's been given everything he ever wanted. And the only thing he's ever been is mentally and physically strong. So what does he do? He surrounds himself with these super masculine sports the police guns anything that would make him feel any stronger and he's always like you said adam like no one's ever said no to him he's always been yes sir yes whatever you want so then he rolls the dice on this 
young wrestler who in the beginning is very, uh, you know, he, he can be manipulated easily. He's very vulnerable young guy. And then he realizes that his brother like is like a, a stronger person mentally when he brings him on and it really starts fucking things up. And, you know, he starts pacifying uh, basically, you know, um, Mark with cocaine and money and all this other stuff. And it's, for me, I saw a number of things that were like, okay, we're already dealing with an unstable guy. He likes firearms and pretty much the entire movie, everyone's said yes to him, except for like when Mark shows up. Or excuse me, when, excuse oh, when, me, when, Dave, when Dave, Dave shows, shows up. Shows Correct. Up, yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. So it really just like you said, Adam, that's all it really took was just yeah. one person to say no to him. And he's already sort of like he lost Mark already. He's mm-hmm. lost his mother at that point. You know, he lost the Olympics. It's just like now he just doesn't have anything anymore. And he can't even get the fifty caliber per gun. Yeah, he finally he, does, but yeah, no, by that, but by that point, he's just fucked. Yeah. And they agreed to mount it for him, so free installation. Always, right, always a good deal. You got to take advantage of that. Right. <laughs> so, is that like the stand-up performance for you? Did you like Ruffalo and Channing Tatum's performances in this? Oh yeah, everybody in this is great. okay. Everybody's fantastic. Yeah, they are. Steve Carell is great. He's that perfect amount of, like I said, he's that perfect amount of. I can tell that he's worse than he is, but I can also just see him as eccentric. And for some reason, he's able to portray both of those things to where they're both believable. Like, mm-hmm. I get that he could be a murderer. Like, him murdering makes sense in the the fact that, like, he's capable of it. You know, he, Yeah, I think the whole thing is, like, he is eccentric, but, like, at any minute, he's capable of doing, like, literally anything. Correct. Or getting anything, procuring anything. Yeah. Administrating anything to anyone. But then there's also scenes like the, the party scene after Mark wins the Worlds, where he's just kind of goofy. Like, yeah. Like, he's just, let's get drunk, I'm gonna wrestle all these guys, and they're gonna let me win, and, like, we're just having a good old time, and I'm gonna... I'm moving the horse trophies and I'm putting the medals in the in the case here. This is like what a what a goofy thing I'm doing here in this room yeah. full of horse trophies. I'm just gonna put some other person's medals. I'm like, <laughs> he just kind of comes off goofy and weird and silly and but like it doesn't seem evil. But then there's moments where you're right. He's not making eye contact with people. He's looking off in the distance. He's generally he's showing up in the middle of the night knocking on windows. He's talking about a barred owl. Yeah. yeah. Not a barred owl, by the way. Sorry. No. Bird I... corner. <laughs> ornithologist. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. I'm the ornithologist of this podcast. Um, so, like, it's it's all believable. It's all great stuff. Channing Tatum's great, too. Uh, he plays, you know, he's just playing a dumb jock, really. Like, there's not mm-hmm. a lot to him, but it's those little moments that kind of build up to the hotel room eating scene where he's, he stares himself in the mirror, I think, at one point, and it looks pretty intense, and he's clearly getting into a weird mental state. And then there's a separate one where he's doing that same thing, but then it escalates to a little face punching, where he starts smacking himself around yeah. and punching himself in the face. And it culminates in that hotel room breakdown, which he does so amazingly well. I mean, he's just... He does the it's a very slaps. physical performance, yeah. Oh, yeah. But he does the little slaps. He does the face punches. You can tell he's just getting angry and angry at himself, at the situation, at all of the circumstances that he's gotten himself into. And then when he headbutts that mirror several times, right. it's so intense. 
and like the glass shattering's amazing. Like the sound, the foley on that is great, but also just like the head sized hole in that mirror that's left behind. And then he does it I think twice, and you just see the the glass in his yeah. forehead. And then he just goes and like gorges on food, and it's so intense, and it's like, such a crazy breakdown that he just absolutely nailed. Uh, and then Ruffalo is good. I mean, he's not really asked to do a lot here. It's really just, hey, you're a family man, you're a coach, you're a brother. That that's all you got to be. Like, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to this deep dark place. Like, you don't have to do yeah. anything weird. You don't have to. Daniel he just needs to this. be mentally stronger than every other person in this movie. Essentially, at yeah. least the main characters. Yeah, he just ha- and he has to be. That's always the called good up for person. You know, the, yeah. yeah, the dependable person. Yeah, just smile on your face. Eternally optimistic, you know, a little intense in the, you know, coaching corner, which you need to be. You yeah. know, he's yelling and he's, he's hyper competent. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, he's essentially the audience at this at that point. Once he gets invited onto the the grounds and sees what's going on, it's like, yeah, this is what we've been seeing like the entire time, and it's good to see someone be like, yeah, things are a little fucked up here, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was good. I think he was probably the worst of the three, but that's just because he's not asked to really do anything but kind of smile and nod and yeah. wrestle. That's <laughs> really it. Yeah. But no. if, if I had to pick, I'd probably say Carell was the best, but Channing Tatum was right. leagues above anything else I've seen him do in a dramatic sense. Of right, life. right. Now, what do you think of like the makeup and stuff on Carell? Did it, I mean, I'm sure in the beginning it was kind of like, okay, and then some parts look better, maybe some parts look worse. It's a little jarring. Granted, I'd seen it. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen the trailers. I've seen the picture. I've seen the box art. Like, I I know enough to expect it. I brought it up in the beforehand. Yeah, it wasn't a shock. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little weird to look at. You do kind of lose the Corel in it, which is nice. Mm-hmm. It, it just kind of seems like this frail old man. I love his mannerisms of the way that he, like, walks and kind of holds his, his arms in almost T-Rex-like because he just... He's Probably weak. He's just a yeah, weak exactly. guy. He just doesn't. He, his his posture is fucking horrible. Like he just mm-hmm. he walks like he can get like a like a swift wind will just knock him right over. Yeah, and you you I love when he's. I think it's either right after the mother comes to watch the wrestling room or during one of the documentary shooting scenes where he just starts doing laps in the wrestling room, just like the lightest little jog, almost like a horse prance, if you will, where he's yeah. like, like his arms are just kind of bopping along there. And so even the like the physical aspects of that performance are good. The the craziest part of the prosthetics is his teeth. The oh, whole, like, yeah. The bridge, gummy mouth. The mm-hmm. gum bridge mouth thing that he's got going on. And those teeth are just like every time he has this big wide smile or like his mouth. You, you almost teeth. forget that he has those teeth. It's like, oh, Christmas. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you don't see them often because his mouth is so like closed. And sure. His lips are so closed because he, again, probably doesn't have the strength to open his mouth wide because <laughs> <laughs> he's a frail, weak old man. But. Then there's the moments where he, like, is wide open and you see those teeth and the, like, weird gum thing that they got caught on. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ugh. The inbred DuPont gum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I think plays really well towards the creepy factor of, of his character. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh, not only are you, like, creepy in your mannerisms and in the way that you just carry yourself, but then, like, look at your teeth. 
Yeah. <laughs> Look at everything you got going on. You can take care of yourself. Yeah. Look at him you... gums. It's wrong. It's mm-hmm. all wrong. And you can tell he's like either self-conscious about that or like he knows. He's self-conscious about everything. Well, yeah, yeah, right. No, you're right. But I'm just saying also that he knows that like smiling is maybe a sign of weakness in his family or something to that effect. Like Probably. everyone's like real dead serious. So when he does smile, you're right. It's typically when he's inebriated, like a drunk, like at that one scene, mm-hmm. or he's doing cocaine on the, the helicopter, which I loved, like the exchange of dialogue, trying to nail the sort of oh, sequ- with the sequence of word- wordage, which is wild. I can't even remember it right now, but it's oh. ornithologist, yeah, philatelist, philanthropist, yeah, ornithologist, philatelist, philanthropist, ornithologist, philatelist. Th- they slowly yeah. start like making it happen. Like so, they finally begin to mirror each other. But that's in the beginning, tar- that's a real it's oh yeah, it's tough. Men Especially when cocaine. you're doing cocaine. Yeah, yeah. For the first time, no less. No less. Yeah. yeah. So he's got a. He's never done cocaine. Didn't even know what like the process was. Which, granted, it's 1987 or 88. So I guess no coke would have been around all throughout the 80s. Oh like, yeah, yeah. There's no way to hit the scene in 1988 where he's like, "What's this? I don't know." No, oh, no, he's but been I guess around. It was, yeah. a, it was a yuppie drug at that point, so his. It's a currency style. for for very rich people too. Yeah. So yeah, going back to the prosthesis, I in general am not a fan. I'm so tired of like. Did you see what's his name as um, Winston Churchill, oh, and Gary it's Oldman. like Gary Oldman, like yeah. dressed like Job of the Hut. Like at a certain point, <laughs> just get someone who looks a little bit like them and can do the mannerisms, you know, trust your audience to suspend disbelief if this person does not look exactly like the historical figure you want them yeah. to. And they do a good job of making him look like DuPont at certain points. At the beginning of the movie, though, I was longing for, you know, I wish we didn't have this big fake nose that it's, distracting me personally Mm -hmm. i don't think it's adding anything i like the scary dark eyes black eyes like a doll's eyes to throw it back to episode one (laughs) um and i even like the prosthetic teeth but the nose anything that really blocks or like encases those kinds of facial expressions i don't like to me it's it's a little bit like putting rims on like a Corolla with 300,000 miles on it. <laughs> right. What are we doing here? That's not why we're here. He already does have like a big nose too, so if you're going to change anything, you can only really like mm-hmm. add to it. You can't really take away his nose unless you do some sort of mm-hmm. CGI bullshit. But, yeah. I mean, they but, wanted him to look different, so you have to change like a pretty significant feature of him. Yeah. And, you know, he looks a lot like the real John DuPont, and I will say in the later part of the movie as you're seeing him more in shadow and in profile you know he's got this beak like nose Mm. and it adds to the menace a little bit but i don't know if it was intentional or just me accepting that there was this big fake nose and that he looks like a bird and that he looks like he's an ornithologist so that's why you know that's why he's able to know so much about them he is one he is one of them yeah it's true the little great like chang tatum used like the binoculars and he's like what oh never mind yeah (laughs) like um, he's DuPont the tree. Right, yeah, yeah. Sitting in a nest. <laughs> um, with that 50 cal. Yeah. yeah. That's what but billionaires do. In scenes like the scene with him and Vanessa Redgrave, who's also excellent in this as his mother, talking about the trains, mm-hmm. I just, I wanted to see more of his natural face reacting, I guess. 
my to the train set, yeah. To the train set yeah, in yeah. particular. I wanted to see I want to see, see the train set. set. I don't care about trains. <laughs> I care about wrestling now. I wonder how much of the lack of facial uh, acting is true to life to the person versus the limitations, limitations of the of, and that's the thing. I want I, I and I want to be able to have an answer that my for that myself. You know, it works. I think he fits Dupont's mannerisms based off of the documentary, but in either of those documentaries, is there footage of the real? And does he have like does he have an understated face? Does he is he animated when he talks? A little bit more animated, a little bit more jovial, okay, seeming than we get in this film. This is definitely you know Mope City <laughs> dark dark Dupont. We get pretty early on sad Dupont in the documentaries. I think it's much more clear how different people could be enamored of him, willing to kind of go along with the charade, want to be kindly to him, be grateful to him, overlook some of the very glaring red flags. Interesting. Yeah. I do hope you'll do like Prince of Pennsylvania or Team Foxcatcher after this. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, now that this, now that we're here. Yeah. Now that we've opened the, ball's the door. Rolling, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then I can go and knock on all the other doors. Yes. <laughs> See what else Go to going. every room in the Dupont mansion. Exactly, exactly. Each room a different documentary. All right. <laughs> I mean, I think that ultimately the makeup is is designed to be again. This is like a prestige project for a studio. Mm. Something like that causes a stir when you're like the radical change of this like actor, the yeah. makeup. So it's like the, they went there. They it maybe not completely the reason for it, but they certainly weren't going to make it subtle because that doesn't. If it just looked like Steve Carell, then. See, that's what I think it ultimately boils down to is you need the clicks for the trades to be like, you'll never guess, you know, who's playing John DuPont in the Foxcatcher movie. Yeah, same with the Gary Oldman stuff yeah. and like anything else and yeah. the fact that... Cole Kidman in the hours kind of thing. Right. Charlize in Monster. Like, you'll never believe yeah. the transformation of this comic the comedy icon or whatever. Like, you've seen him in the office. Yeah. Now watch him do a murder. It's Steve <laughs> right, right, right. with a big thick nose. I mean, what's more impressive, too, is, like, the people like Christian Bale and, like, the Tom Hanks and the people who actually, like, lose or gain the, like, ridiculous amount of weight that they go through. Yeah. And that's, like, way more impressive to me, obviously. I mean, for most people, I would say this, but Mm -hmm. that, again, those things also sort of garner the attention of grasping at the awards and the attention and the clicks Mm -hmm. and all that other stuff, but... Yeah, ultimately, though, for me, it wasn't super distracting. That's good. I think... Because I was so familiar, like if this was something we went in, I went into completely cold, had no idea, had never seen it, just knew it was about wrestling and maybe the Olympics, then I probably would have been like, the fuck is wrong with his face? Why are we, why? <laughs> right. It's so wrong. But because I think I had more familiarity with it, I was able to put it aside very quickly to just be like, okay, we're doing this for the, the likeness rights, essentially, rather than we're doing this just for some dumb arbitrary reason. sure sure mm-hmm. now did you find the tone of the movie to be too bleak i mean there's really no levity in this there's no humor outside of maybe some like well, i think me and you snickered at a couple of things here and there that i would probably be intentionally unintentional yeah there was the only times i laughed were unintentional laughs of like <laughs> mom getting mom rolled getting in. rolled in yeah mom that was good stuff the wrestling room was just so silly and then the look on her face when she's like had it is the look that every like grandmother has 
when they're like, I'm done. Just profoundly disappointed. I would like to go yeah. home now. It's yeah. just like the I, one hand, like, I need to go. Yeah. It's a low sport. Yeah, it's a yeah. low sport. I see, see you being low. But just, like, she just turns to look at her age. It's just like, okay. <laughs> That's enough. Back to the horses. Right. Yep. But for tone-wise, did, did it... Was it exasperating to you? Was it sort of like, oh, man, like, this is really just, like, dark, bleak? Or did you sort of, like, get on that ride fairly quickly? I, I mean, I guess I did, because it didn't really seem... It doesn't really seem too dour until the murder. Like, it's just kind of... Oh, he's having, you know, um, Mark's having trouble. Mark's doing well. Like, it's just kind of, it, it just kind of goes along. Like, because there's not changes in the tone and it's very, very consistent. It's, I think it was pretty easy to get on board with, but it also doesn't seem, it doesn't seem too depressing through 98% of the movie. It's just that kind of like final five where you're just like, oh, ah, fuck, we're, we're at the manor. God right. damn it. And so, but like, I never felt watching it, I never felt sad for any of the characters. It was just kind of like there. And I think part of that is because even the fallout between Mark and John is really understated. It's just kind of like he slaps him once because I don't even remember why. Like, I don't even remember why the slap happened. They were just like not at practice. Yeah. Well, he's been trying He's been asking Mark to get Dave, get Dave. He goes to the gym expecting all of his wrestlers to be there and they're not. So he shows up at Mark's cabin and is aghast that Mark has decided to give the team the day off. And he's like, well, you're not the coach, even though in reality, like, is de facto the coach. And that's what triggers him to have a meltdown and say, I'm getting Dave here. I think because he knows it will hurt Mark's feelings, and then he hits him. Yeah. So it's a physical. Not only that, but he's, lo- he's losing attack. control. He's realizing he's losing control, and he knows that he's, he'll listen to his brother. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to find someone else who can. That's so, true. Like bring him into. Bring heat. him back in and get things back online again. Oh, yeah. see, I read it more as the this is a punishment for you because they had that conversation earlier in the movie where he says, "Without your brother, you can do anything." Like. Your brother's holding you back. It's you and me that are going to do this. And when he sees, when his mother talks down to him and says, wrestling's stupid, wrestling sucks. It's a low sport. You're being low. You're better than this. He then takes that out, a mark. And so I always thought of bringing Dave in as more of a punishment, which of course he would never make it seem like to Dave. And then Dave comes in being his normal, cheery, happy self. And Mark's just kind of like, no, fuck all yeah. of this. Like, this dude just manipulated me, this dude, like, but like, it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't ever really come across that way because they just keep moving. Like, the whole thing just mm-hmm. keeps moving, so there's no period of point where I get to be, like, down about it. It's just like, all right, we're on to the next thing, here we go. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, like, dour, unless something like that is the wrong word. For me, it was just like, there's no, it's like, almost there's no emotion to what you're watching, there's nothing, you know, like you said, you're just watching what's yeah. happening. You're getting served little bits of weirdness with, you know, Steve Carell talking weird and, you know, uh, Channing Tatum is very, like, brooding and there's something going on, like, something going on there. But, like, there's, like, no joking around. There's, like, where maybe another movie would still be really serious, but you would sneak in some of that stuff, you know, like a movie like, like The Wrestler, you know what I mean? Very sort of bleak, very depressing, but has these moments of, like, making these people look human, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, and there's some optimism in a movie like that. Where there's right, no, a good. What's a good well, good word? Yeah. There's no optimism, but there's also it, um, it's not a pessimistic movie either. It, again, it just kind it of, just right in the middle. It, it just slices the orange right in half. Really, yeah. And yeah. so I don't I don't think I wanted any moments. So I'm not like, damn, I wish there was a couple of like knee slappers in this. No, movie. no, but it just it's it's maybe like pales in contrast with the majority of things you would typically watch, you know what I mean? This is kind of like a, it doesn't really, I don't know. Like, it's not, like I said, it's not, it's not funny, but it's not overly sad or violent either. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't tell you how to feel. Right. There's minimal score. So you're just, you're just taking in the information at the same time as the character. Yeah. Like, like the home video is kind of like Mm -hmm. the beginning of what I was saying. But yeah, I don't, it is weird. Cause like, even thinking now about it, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what I was feeling the last two hours. Right. Kind of nothing, but not in a bad way. Like normally if you'd be like, I just sat there and I watched that and I felt nothing for two hours, that would be a bad thing. Sure. And here, I don't think that it is. I think it's just, I'm meant to feel nothing almost like it's not a desensitized thing. I don't think like, I think I feel emotions typically (laughs) (laughs) just like here though. It's everyone kind of sucks. And so I think that, doesn't help the situation because like Mark's a basket case, you know, he's clearly, he's grown up moving all around. He's really only had Dave. He mentions Dave was his only friend growing up. They clearly have a complicated relationship. You see that very early on in that training session where Mark headbutts him because he lets the emotion get the best of him because Dave gets the best of him. And again, like I was saying in the before show, anytime that you have these testosterone fueled, got to get up you got to get that blood moving you got to get your heart pumping you're going to lose control of emotions and things are going to get the best of you and so you see that mark has no control whatsoever over it and dave just kind of like is a the bouncing ball in a sing-along song like he's just he's happy and he's moving and he's bouncing along and it's just hey my family i gotta stay here for my family like even in the parts where he's saying no to mark is still kind of just like come on come on buddy like come on sure man. like you know i can't do that like, come on buddy it's <laughs> i got my family like we're gonna i can't move them around like hey, we're moving it's fine though because you're gonna do great so like come on let's go wrestle yeah. like it's just it's a mix of personalities but it, at no point does it deviate from that and i think it works yeah like i said i think we sort of vicariously live through like what how mark is perceiving everything dave i keep mixing i'm sorry dave oh. <laughs> not mark <laughs> but um yeah because he is the most normal out of the three. Oh yeah by far super well adjusted he's got the wife he's got the two kids he's he's happy even in moments that should be like a yelling match like when they first meet john in the hotel room and you can tell that mark is clearly upset that this his meal ticket was disrespected in such a way which, again, just these little microaggressions, I think, is what ultimately led to murdering. But it's just one of those things where, like, okay, yeah, the wife should have got off the bed and been like, hey, you know, thanks so much. Like, you're doing this great thing for Mark and, you know, you're out here and you're we're at the World Championships and everything's fine. Like, you're this rich man who's helping my brother-in-law essentially live. Yeah. Um, you probably should have got off the bed, but everyone was kind of like a dick about it and... I don't think she needed to. She was dealing with a kid. True. You come into my room, tell True. me to get off the bed. Hold on. I'm taking Nancy's side of this. <laughs> You're in my room, Mark. To beat it. You and your tape. 
Yeah. But, it, like, that could have easily devolved into this big shouting fight, mm-hmm. this big yelling match, and Dave just kind of kept everybody level-headed of just, hey, it's fine. Hey, pal. Like, hey, buddy. Like, it's yeah. okay. Like, it's, it's fine. And then they're just, like, practicing arm drags in the hallway <laughs> while you can see someone in the background, like, coming around in a cocktail dress and a tuxedo at the end of the hallway. You're just like, okay, we're just going to wrestle here. And they're, the kid's in his underwear standing in the hallway. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Even the... I love the conflict between him and John, that small confrontation at the, is it the world championships Mm -hmm. where he's trying to come in through the hallway and Mark is like furiously biking. And so you don't even hear what he says, but the body language of John coming towards him and him blocking, he's doing this all, he's not saying anything. You're not coming through. Don't try it. It's a very charming no. That's yeah. not happening. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so, such a good piece of body language acting. It's great, yeah. There's nothing being said whatsoever. And he's just looking to the mirror, just biking. He's like, and just... Yeah, and he's, and, you know, you see the different shift back and forth. And you get a sense that you really see that. Dave's body, both as a wrestler and just as a human being, is really driving the way that he communicates and gets people to do what he needs them to do. Sure, yeah. He's a great diffuser. Mm -hmm. Which, again, I think is points to the level of how much of a level-headed person he is. Mm -hmm. Because he's just like, okay, I'm just going to put myself in between you. I'm not going to let you come in the door. We're going to figure this thing out over here. You go over there. Which is also a good assistant coach move. Like, sometimes the assistant coach just needs to stand between the athlete and the coach. Mm-hmm. Because the coach can be fired up and want to say some things and has things their way. And the assistant needs to protect the athlete in this situation. And he did that perfectly. And every, again, all conveyed without us hearing any of that conversation. I would have liked to have heard that conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it probably would have gone more towards the motive in the end to have heard something like that. But again, I get why, because the main character and the perspective is Mark. So like Mark can't hear it. So therefore Mm -hmm. we can't hear it. And all he can see is that my brother's protecting me. My brother's looking out for me. I can't believe I didn't see that before kind of thing. And so I like the transition between, I don't need Dave. I need John. John's going to help me. John's going to give me $10,000. He's going to give me a place to live. He's going to make me captain of the team. We're going to win the Olympics. And then he realizes that, like, no, I need Dave. Like, Dave's the one who, he got me through everything. He raised me. He's my rock. He's here now. It's not the competition. It's just I need that. But also, I don't want that because I wanted to do this on my own. So he's. you can tell that he's conflicted. He's conflicted, yeah. But it... But it makes sense as to why he kind of leans towards Dave in the end, because that's family, that's what he knows. No, right. And also, too, it's like you either get, like, being trained with the wrestling, or you get all the toys and the cocaine and the the, the house and the money. And all that stuff might assist you to get Mm -hmm. to where you're going. It'll buy you a spot in the Olympics, but at the end of the day, you still need to wrestle your ass off and know how to do any of that shit. And John doesn't know anything about that. No. At all. It is weird to me, all the cocaine stuff, though, just because not long before that, you get the part where he offers, John offers Mark a drink. Mark's like, no, I'm training. Like, no, thank you. And he's like, good, that's smart. You're in training. Don't do it. And then the second worlds are over. He's like, you can do cocaine now. 
Like the Olympics are three hundred and eighty days away, but like you can do cocaine. You can do cocaine. Yep. Yeah. Good but boy. The, there's a lot. I like the way that it layers in John's just complete ignorance about the reality of the sport. You know, he puts on this kind of coach routine the first time he meets Mark, talking about how important it is. And you see what the Soviet Union does for their athletes. It's a shame about what America does. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's in the conversation where the first time he shows up at Mark's cabin and he lies about the owl, he says, how much time until the world championship? Like, if you cared or you actually knew you would know right right you would be the one driving the conversation saying this is less than two months you know less than two months yeah and because it's not he's not saying it in a rhetorical sort of coach like i think you know how much it is right it's when does that happen when do we start doing that (laughs) you know so i think in that sense it makes sense. Yeah, he's just, it's all like optics with that whole family. Like, even when they show later on with, or early on with like pictures and video of like people standing next to cannons and like all of these things, like it's all, they, those people probably don't know anything about cannons or anything about any of this shit. They just happen to be captured in a way that makes them look even more successful. I mean, they are very successful, but do you know what I mean? Where with like DuPont, he just cares yeah. about, he's got the documentary team running around making him look like he's, a knowledgeable coach when he's anything but. Yeah, he's a checkbook. Correct, yeah. And he's self-conscious about the fact that he's a checkbook. And, and that's why he's, like, watching that movie at the end, like, his own documentary again, like, trying to, like, pat his own back, like, yeah, I was a pretty good coach, wasn't I? Mm-hmm. And I think maybe he just maybe cracks a little bit, even then he might even see that all of this was just for nothing, and all the cameras following him around and all that stuff. His foray into actually wrestling was a weird sequence. It was weird, yeah. I don't, like, I get wanting to learn and I get wanting to, like, do it, but I'm not sure whether or not he knows that his opponent was paid off. Like, I really, I'm really not sure. I would assume that he'd have to know, because where did Anthony Michael Hall get the envelope of money? But... uh, I would assume the mother, still, or someone else within uh, the organization. Like, at a certain point, when you're that big... You know, there's people who are just doing things and making things happen yeah. without you even knowing, especially when you have essentially unlimited resources. Yeah. You know, what's going to keep the wheels spinning? Because it's one thing, you know, you participate in a low sport, but it's even worse. You participate in a low sport and you fucking lose. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Huh. I hadn't thought about the mother possibly being mm-hmm. there. Just because when she was like, so what? You like want a trophy? And you put this event on. What did you do? She, like she didn't seem that yeah. she knew, but that could have just but, been her great, you know, you know, conniving the, moment. Yeah, or you know, the organization, you know, the core. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is what do they call it? the firm in the crown terms? You know, is looking towards like what was your party line? That's how we're going to continue to do it in this tradition. This is what John needs. Yeah. It was really uncomfortable watching him be very, very bad at wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a question I wanted to ask you. How does the wrestling sort of stack up? How did it look to you? Good. Yeah, good. I I noticed it very early on. The very first training scene with Channing alone mm-hmm. with that dummy was like, oh, okay, yeah, I've, I've done that. Like I've mm-hmm. thrown that dummy around. 
I know what that's like. The thing's a heavy sucker, but like that's what you do. And like the warm ups and the shaking out your arms and the way they were constantly just like massaging muscles and the hand switching where they were like going in and out, like between the two of them and kind of like bumping shoulders. And a lot of the throws were great. Uh, they, you know, a lot of the like hip tosses and arm drags and different throws like that were all great. They don't do a lot in terms of like a match. Like even the matches themselves mm-hmm. are very quick. I think each one's probably only 30 seconds worth of stuff. It's just to show that, okay, Mark's getting rocked in this one. Like, he's getting pushed around, he's rolling, but he's being completely controlled. All right, well, now we go to the next one. Oh, it's still the same thing. He's not shaking out of it. Oh, no, he, he just he got rocked. He lost 14 to nothing. So none of the matches are long enough to where you notice any cracks. I'd be interested to know how much Channing and Ruffalo were doing. Mm-hmm. of their own like in terms of the wrestling or how much they learned but it comes across very well in film i think it it all looked authentic to me yeah it looks good they do look a lot of wide shots which i liked because they could have easily done this sort of kinetic sort of like mm-hmm. close-ups and you don't even know what the hell you're looking at but to your point adam they don't even take the time to try to teach you about the sport again there's a no, there's really no hand holding in this movie you're really just on for the ride you're watching some of the sports Maybe you're watching it like a, a person doesn't care that much on the sidelines. Like, that's what you're seeing. You're only seeing little bits at a time. I don't think you're really educated a lot on the sport. No. and it's Again, it's a... stuff you have to pick up sort of naturally along the way. Like, oh, okay, that must be extra warm-up exercises. Oh, they got to weigh in. They got to weigh a certain amount to sort of uh, to make weight. But, yeah, like, I never, you never hear about the points. Like, what, what it means to be sort of knocked out or taken down or... And it's stuff like at the end you said, oh, like 14-0, you know what I mean? Like they fucking got rocked. So again, there's just – they don't really spend the time to educate it. And I don't think it's a bad thing. No. You, it's just a thing that maybe another movie would have spent the time to do. I can't think of many sports movies though that – and granted most of them are hockey, basketball. But like I, I don't – I don't see a lot of them doing a lot of explaining of the game. It's just one of those things where it's – if you want to know the sport, you can go – no, right, but I mean, coming off the heels of the guy who did Moneyball, I mean, we're coming from a movie where they pretty much explain the entire fucking sport and how that works, and then going to one where it's, you're left to your own device, you're left to what I'm showing you. To that point, though, I think Moneyball, the explanations in there aren't about the sport, it's about the behind the scenes of it, which is what that book is about, and that whole situation is about, is the new way of thinking about the sport. So therefore, they have to do more explaining because they have to explain to you the old ways of thinking about it and then the new ways. Whereas this, it's just – it's not even about the sport, really. It's about these personalities and this this whole thing. It's not about the wrestling part of it, which is why those matches are so short. But I don't think it needed to do any kind of explanation. No, it didn't. Yeah, it's just a point that I'm making that I think other times you would go through each round. You would – they would be more dramatic about the sport when the whole movie's not even about really – yeah. The wrestling aspect of it. I think the only way in which they could have done it, and again, it's not needed, you're right, is when they go in between rounds back to the corner, there's no Rocky-style pep talk of like, okay, here's what you got to do. Like, you got to pull his arms in. Right. You got to chop that leg. You got to pick the, the knee up. You know, none of that stuff is there where I feel like that's where you would teach about the, all right, you got to go for the pin here because you're you're losing 14 to nothing. So that's the only thing you're going to do. Because you've got to pin them, so let's right. go for it. That would be where you would get that from. Yeah, or even you're even trying to explain to DuPont and the audience how it works. Because obviously he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. 
John? Yeah, DuPont with the spore. Um, no, I think he does. He might have some surface level, but there might be a time where he would have said something that was like, uh, what are you talking about, bud? Yeah. And then they would be like, oh, John, you we, this, there's this many around. This is what you do. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. Like, they could have threw in something stupid like that. Yeah. Which, again, they didn't. And, again, I'm, I might come off like I'm, com- not like I'm complaining that, that that's the case. But, again, that's just a few things that a lazier movie would have done. Yeah, and I think it's fine that it didn't because, again, it's – it's good that it was focusing on because those moments where you would have gotten the pep talk in between rounds, all you're doing is you're focusing on Channing's face and how he's freaking out right. in the moment. And you're focusing on John's face about how he's clearly not pleased. And he, you can tell he's like intensely waving the towel, which granted uh, Ruffalo does earlier in the other ones, but like this one has more of that dead eyed stare as he's waving it. Cause he's like, I bet everything on you. Like this was, you're you're my guy and you're you're letting me down and then you've got ruffalo who again is cheery but intense like pep talkiness and you see that on his face but we don't need to hear the speeches and so it makes those moments more intense because you're like okay i've seen enough sports movies to know is mark gonna pull this one out like is mark actually going to win the gold medal at the 88 olympics right is he going to win at worlds like is he going to turn these moments around and so it makes for a really great moment when he wins at Worlds because, again, it's that same, oh, you're down and you're tied. I'm not going to explain to you what you need to do. I'm just going to waft the towel and look at you and you're going to be intense and then you're going to go win. And then we get that same kind of scenario in the Olympics. And, again, I'm not going to say I'm not gonna, we're not going to play what you need to do. You're just going to do it. Everybody's looking intense. Everybody's looking excited. And then you just go and get your shit rock. Right, right. So the dichotomy between those two is even really good as well. Yeah. In terms of the the accuracy, which they're little things, but I really loved the foley on the like mat sounds. Yeah, that was very like all the intense. Yeah. All the squeaking, all the like the, you can tell when feet are dragging. You can tell when someone like the slam when someone's hitting the mat, especially with that dummy at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Like those thuds, you can almost hear the duct tape that's holding it together, like kind of ripping and peeling a little bit. So all of that stuff sounds great yeah and i'm glad that there wasn't a big score accompanying it because that could have been something where it's like okay it's you hear more score than sound effects but here it's all about the sound effects and it makes it so much more visceral because you're just you're there in the room with them like i could i was almost sweating because i know it's 95 degrees in there and everyone smells like they've been at school all day and (laughs) (laughs) i know the smell of that room right It's, it's the soapy water they just used to wash the mats uh, yeah, it's the whole thing. Although I got really mad at Channing Tatum when he first walked into the Fodge Catcher room. I was like, dude, your sneakers on the wrestling mats? What the fuck is wrong with you? Get those <laughs> off of there. Get your wrestling shoes on. Right. Socks. No outside sneakers, pal. Or you're going to be washing these with a toothbrush. But guns are allowed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe people didn't see that gun in his hand and w- wonder, what the fuck does this guy have a gun? Yeah, it was interesting. I wasn't too sure if like... I because that's what I thought too. I'm like, why is no one really like saying or being startled by the fact that he's holding a gun in his hand? Yeah. Well, oh, they this just guy... ran past him. They knew he was practicing shooting. They're like, True. Oh, he just came to check in. Not the whole team though. Only a couple of them. But you'd think like if I saw him shooting out there with the cops, and then he came into the wrestling room just still brandishing that gun, I'd be like, um, with that face, shouldn't you? Have, yeah, and that nose. <laughs> well, and I think teeth? definitely yeah. those teeth, those gums. <laughs> 
Um, I think uh, probably the second time he came with the gun, they would have an appropriate reaction, but... Right. I think... What'd you think about that scene when he walked in with a gun? What was sort of like... I, I know you just quickly mentioned your reaction, but how'd you think it was going to play out? I thought, well, I, I thought it was too early for, for a murdering. Yep. <laughs> um, I thought that... Because, again, I didn't know who was going to get shot until, like... Channing moved away. Like once Mark moved out, I was like, okay, I know. Oh, so shot. for a long stretch, you thought Channing was going to get the. Get, get I the didn't blood. know. It okay. could have been Channing snaps and kills John. It could have been Channing is or Mark is brainwashed and shoots Dave because Dave's standing in his way. It could have been Dave being like, John, you've brainwashed and kidnapped my brother. Like, let him go. I'm taking him and my family and we're getting out of here. Bang, bang, bang. Like, it could have been any one of those scenarios. He just shoots a horse and the movie ends. <laughs> yeah. Which the I horse mean, shoots someone? Yeah. Especially when they, they all go free. They're Dude, like, one they're of them could climb the, the APC, started shooting the 50 cal. Right, yeah, yeah. happen. And you had pointed out earlier that, like, the movie kind of does a good job, which it does, of planting the seeds that anyone could be doing a murder in. Yeah, there's there's motivations throughout. I mean, they lean a little heavily on Dupont being the guy, but they certainly don't say, "Hey, there's it's not out of the realm of possibility that it could be these two as yeah. well." Well, because Dupont's a whack job. Yeah, and Channing is completely unhinged to the point where the littlest thing could set him off, and he's in a house full of guns. All it would take is him finding one of those guns. True, he does have those rifles the in the house. case right behind him. Yeah, yeah. So. It wasn't out of the realm of possibility that someone else could have been the murderer or murderee, but I thought that moment in the wrestling room was a little too early to where we would have had half the movie left, and I didn't want trials. I didn't want interrogations. Yeah. I didn't want that. You don't get it. You don't no. get it. He but shot, I I ceiling, I he shot a ceiling tile. Did you like that? I just, <laughs> it was fine, and I, I mean, I guess- Are you glad that he at least shot the gun? I suppose it's an odd question, but I mean, it's like, it proves that he's a little more serious than just walking around like a badass with a gun, that he's, that he's shooting it now, like in a place where you shouldn't. Even then, it still came off as goofy. Yeah. It almost came off of like, like a starter's pistol almost, where you don't, because you don't see ceiling tile debris. You just, you shoot and you hear and everyone's just kind of like, oh, what the fuck was that? So like. It could have just been a blank. I don't know. Like it doesn't. It doesn't do enough to where I'm now worried that he's shooting off guns inside. That he's losing it. Quote unquote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't see that in that moment. So it doesn't play off as like, oh, okay. Well, this this is a guy who could kill somebody. Could be doing a murder. And yeah, it just seems like a oh, what a weird eccentric. I don't have consequences. I shoot guns anywhere. It almost feels more Yosemite Sam than it does Son of Sam. <laughs> okay. I like that. Thank you. I like that a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just, it didn't play out as any particular way. It was just kind of like, oh, there's another eccentric thing he does. He right. shoots guns inside. <laughs> he shoots guns inside. This is my friend John. He loves wrestling. He grew up on a farm. He loves shooting guns inside. I think you're really going to get along. Ornithologist, philatelist, <laughs> philanthropist, indoor gun shooter. <laughs> Train psychometry, yeah. 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 No, not into trains anymore. Train Do donator. not talk about trains with him. Mentor. Father figure. I did really like the scene with Dave trying to be like, what do you want me to say about this guy? Like, what are you talking about? What's your question? 
a mentor? Okay, he's a men- he's I guess he's a mentor to me. Like, yeah, right. Absolutely not having it because of the, just the complete delusion of like, what? What do you know? I don't know this guy. Like, I just got here. Yeah, and he won't. He's trying really hard to not tell the lie at first. Yeah, and he's doing the diplomatic. You know, he's made it possible for us to be successful, and the documentarian is not having it. Like, yeah. no, you will say this. Yeah, well, because he probably got a mandate that, like, no, he will say this. But I love the question of, like, what's his coaching philosophy? And I was right there with Dave on this one. I don't fucking know. Other Mm -hmm. than build men's bodies and minds into winners and patriots and good citizens and Americans. It's not a coaching philosophy. That's that's a life philosophy, I guess. But not really a coaching philosophy, per se. Because, like, every coach wants to build winners and... I don't think there's a coach in any level of sport that, that doesn't want to build the the physical and mental aspects of their athletes to be the best on and off the field court right. wrestling man. So, like, that's not really a philosophy. It's just kind of like what a coach is supposed to do as long as they're not an asshole. But, yeah, I don't know. I like towards the end where he shows up in a blue coat. Yeah, he's like in a yeah, Like, that's where he's like completely fucked. See, that's where I thought we were going to get the murder, is because now he's dressing up like he's doing a Revolutionary War reenactment. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he likes to hang out at Valley Forge or whatever. Was that right? That's mm-hmm. where they went? Yep. I know they mentioned it. I wasn't sure if they, because they didn't say. They were just like, here's where people died. They laid down the lines and they fought for America. But, like, could have been Gettysburg. Could have been anything. Sure. But I think the fact that they did mention it beforehand. So it's like, all right, cool. You're going to go off and do some reenacting. I hope you don't have a musket in that car. Like I half expected him to pull out like a, you know, the like a pirate's pistol and yeah, yeah. shoot him. A, and and, like a and, and, and have pistol. a wig as well. Yeah, the that's white the white powdered wig. Yeah, yeah. that white powdered wig would look right at home on that dude's yes, fucking skull because of all the inbreeding. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I thought maybe that's where that was. Like he's just like, no, it's family time. Man, get the fuck out of here. He was like, what? I'm your family. I'm your father. I'm your mentor. Snap. Flintlock musket pistol, you're dead. <laughs> like I thought, that's where that was the that was when I really thought it was going to happen, and then obviously when it did happen, I saw that coming. As soon as he said, "Is it snowing?" Warm up the car. I was like, "Cool, we're getting a murder." Yeah, here it comes. Here it comes. Here comes a murdering. Yeah, it's funny. For some reason, I pictured the whole movie like in snow. For some reason, but I guess just because at the end, it's yeah. just such a more traumatic or dramatic ending. It is. Um, but. I love that property. I, I I must have looked it up after I watched it too, but I was just curious where they actually filmed. Like, whose mansion is that? Again, obviously some of the facilities and things could be cheated. They could be anywhere really, but just like the grounds where the helicopter's landing and everything. Mm-hmm. So opulent. So, it's so perfect. Like, great locations accounting. Yeah. Yep. I love all the the fall scenes too. Yeah, just gorgeous. It just shot really well, you yeah. know. A lot of mist. Yeah, we, we kind of get all the seasons in this one, I think. Technically, we get summer because it's the Olympics, but we yeah. don't ever really get like a hot foliage. outside yeah. Yeah, running. No, it seems like the majority of the film, all the scenes you see outside are during the autumn. I can just picture the leaves and the colors changing. Like, that's those are the images that stick with me. Right. Like, you know, the, like the places in literal decay. Until we're in winter and death. Things are getting icy. Yeah. 
I mean, the whole movie's just gray, so like it literally could take place in any. That's probably why I thought it snowed the entire time. But it it is. It's just kind of like that blue gray, cool colors. Not at all. It looked New England. It was maybe shot in Canada. I don't know, but like it's just. We can take a quick gander real quick, but I imagine it's somewhere. Yeah, in the northeast or something like that. I would assume they probably tried to find. I'm sure you could find fields in Pennsylvania where you could do all of the like running scenes and all the different stuff. Right, but I mean that house looks like it doesn't. It's not a map painting. It's not sort of digitally added unless it's really good. And I'm wrong on that too. But yeah, I mean, Dude, the best map painting we've come across. Probably, all. yeah. Shot in the Pittsburgh metro area. Yeah. Okay, so not far really from where we're yeah. supposed to be. Yeah, the DuPont mansion lies at her hall, having been demolished in January 2013. The filmmakers used Morvan Park, a historical historic estate in Leesburg, Virginia, with a similar facade. And then they did interiors at Wilpin Hall. So mostly in like Pennsylvania, still yeah. that kind of mainline area. Yeah, I really want to like go and watch because I've watched one of the documentaries, I think, but now I want to go back because again, in light of sort of watching like the shows like Succession and shit like that, it's just I I like digging into like the history and how these people got so goddamn fucking rich and uh, you know the seeds they planted and the shit they got into and falling from the top and Dupont. They start off as a gunpowder manufacturer. Mm-hmm. In the revolutionary, yeah, period. I watched, yeah. They I watched of, the VHS. Oh, you watched the VHS in the, in the yeah. movie. Yeah, that's right. So they're <laughs> the like, of. then that's where they kind of go through. I think there's so much too about sort of American aristocracy, just gently woven in, mm-hmm. nothing too explicit. Yeah, it's not but, a Rockefeller documentary where right. it's all about the yeah. yeah. But there's little touches like the antique american flag behind him when the gun is delivered you know him talking about how important it is to be an american and he's doing this as part of his patriotic duty but you know he just treats his wrestlers like his mother treats the horses horses, and the family treats the dogs you know it's a hobby they're a collection and in some ways i think the way he and his mother see it is the the reason they're so invested in kind of American legacy, or at least John is, because he's conflated the American legacy with the DuPont legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious why he did gravitate. I mean, honestly, we talked about the masculinity and sort of being surrounded by people who are strong and capable, but why he sort of gravitated towards that sport. I don't think they ever really got into why he went to wrestling. No, I mean like, like like one that he wanted to fund and be a part of, and he says at the beginning he just liked that it was just like two guys there, and it was the one on one aspect of it. He goes into a little bit of detail about okay. it, but there's not anything. You're right because he could have he could have done boxing, he could have done judo, he could have done any number of other things. I don't I, mean, I don't know when judo became an Olympic sport, but it would have to be something that could be an Olympic level event. Because you're not going to get the same level of patriotism at a world championships that you would at an Olympics. Like, in Olympics, it's all eyes on. Everyone knows. There's plenty of history at this point of, you know, the Soviets and the Americans and, like, you know, all these other countries that feud in world politics. Right. Feuding in sport. 
No, it would have to be an Olympic sport. You're right. It's yeah. just uh, – But I don't know when boxing was in the Olympics or judo or any of these other like combat strength-based yeah. besting of men kind of activities. And I'm was. curious if you gravitated towards it because if the sport was historically struggling to make a presence in the Olympics of note – that he said, oh, I can – this is my opportunity to come in, throw money at it, get into the Olympics and become this, this ultimate patriot that I want to be. Yeah. Maybe. Where maybe swimming or gymnastics or anything else in the 80s was so dominant that it was like almost impossible to infiltrate. It does say – his Wikipedia says he did wrestle his freshman year in high school. Doesn't John show. Did. John did. Yes. <laughs> doesn't show. Well, they did say in the movie – I think in that speech where – Mark is talking about how he's like a father figure and all this. There's one line where he's like reading it over where he says that like, oh, John's going to make his return to wrestling in the over 50 category or something like that. So Mm -hmm. that would make sense that he did it that one time. I will plug once again, Prince of Pennsylvania is both the documentaries are good, but I think I like the 30 30 for 30 30 more personally. Okay. Check that one out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a couple fun fact things I saw here. The footage that they were watching of MMA is from a fight in 1996 featuring Gary Goodridge winning. So that person who wins that is Gary Goodridge. Um, so that's a little bit of a time continuance kind of thing. Of They're watching this in 1988, but it didn't take place until 1996. The Easter egg part of that, though, is that the person who wins in that footage is the person that Mark beats in his MMA debut Rather than the fictional random guy that he fights in. So the, the fight that they're watching, like in his like house, and they're all smoking weed or whatever, like yeah. that fight is from '96. That fight's from '96, and the person who wins that fight is the person who the real Mark Schultz fights in his debut in MMA that we see at the end of the movie. But they use a stand-in, not the same guy, because the timeline of it doesn't really add up, even though there's like a huge time jump. Right, right. Because he debuted in the very next. UFC pay-per-view. Gotcha. So, yeah. All right. Well, did you want to start wrapping things up a little bit? Did you have any sort of final thoughts? Was it as good as it you'd like it to be? Did Is it is it sort of just right in the middle like we sort of been talking about? Do you, do you want to watch it again in the future? I'd probably watch it again in the future. Yeah. Maybe after watching the documentaries, like getting right. kind of sandwich it of like, okay, what was fake? Okay, now double-decker what was real watch the fake thing again. So yeah. it's the fake mm-hmm. sandwich um, with real meat in the middle. The metaphor got away from me. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I think, yeah, that would probably, I probably wouldn't go back and watch it again right now, but I would want to, you know, put it against the real world information that I would gain from watching the documentary. So that would probably cause me to watch it again. Ultimately, the movie, it's it's completely carried by the three leads who are all just... Yeah, if they were any less, I think the movie would just be boring, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, and so the reason that I wasn't bored and the reason that even though it was two hours, 15 minutes and could seem a little long, especially when there's not real outward conflict, there's a lot of internal conflict and playing those internal conflicts against each other brings out the conflict, but it's not like Mark is done dirty by Dave and then leaves to go join up with this ragtag group of new team. Like there's nothing that sets the movie off. Like that's not a it's traditional. Re- it's really just like two acts. There's not really three acts of this movie. Yeah. There's one and then two and then bang. And then it's over. 
there's not really a come down. There's it's like a complete crescendo of stuff. Mm-hmm. Very subtle, yeah. but it really just kind of leaves you at the top of the peak, and like that's kind of it. Yeah, and so Where, because yeah. of because of that, if the leads weren't good, if they weren't engaging, if they weren't believable, if they weren't all playing their parts to a T, it wouldn't have worked. But it yeah. does because of them and off the back of all three of their performances in combination with the directing and the, the style and the color palette and the, the sound effects, as I yeah. mentioned, all of that stuff plays together to be just a really, really good film. I can understand why it was nominated for stuff. I'd have to look at the list, but I can understand why it maybe didn't win because, again, it is just those three doing the legwork. In looking briefly at different nominations and stuff, I do feel bad for Channing Tatum that he kind of got the short end of the stick between Carell and Ruffalo, even though I think he did a really good job playing the very mentally disturbed, unhinged kind of like, right. all it takes is one thing and I'm going to punch myself repeatedly in the face and headbutt a mirror several times and then eat fried chicken with glass in my face. Yeah. Like he played that all so well. And so it kind of sucks that he didn't get more recognition for it. And I would like to see, honestly, more things like this from him. He really surprised me, even though I knew going in, people said he did a a great job. Yeah, yeah. So, but I liked it. I thought it was good. I'm glad I watched it. I would like to see more wrestling movies. I'm sure there are a ton of great stories of overcoming adversity and beating a, a big powerhouse guy in the Olympics that never happened before and... I mean, I know he turned to the world of professional, quote-unquote, wrestling, but, like, a guy like Kurt Angle, who won the Olympic gold medal in 96 with a broken neck. that that's He prob- trained at Foxcatcher. Yeah, like, that's that's one of those things where, like, that can make a, a cool story. Sure. Especially if you, if he's there around the, say, well, I guess the murder would have already taken place, though I didn't really get a sense for what year that happened. But the, I would like to see more wrestling movies. I think there's there's stuff to be had there, especially because it is kind of that... You need to be a member of a team, but you also need to go out there on your own. And that brings egos and all kinds of right. good fodder for movies. But this was definitely one of the high bars for the wrestling movie genre, <laughs> as small as it is. Uh, and I'm really glad that we watched it. Cool. What about you, Abridge? <laughs> I'm just overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I, I was much more overwhelmed by this movie the second time around, particularly the ending. Because it was oh. so quiet in the room? <laughs> I, just... It did feel like someone we knew died. That's how I felt, at least. And we'll see if I memory hole it again (laughs) as a result. Next time you just open up a thing of fried chicken at a hotel, you're going to be like, ah! Yeah, it's going to be the inverse of Death to Smoochie, where you guys are going to be like, remember Foxcatcher? I'll be like, never happened. I've never seen a movie about a fox. What are you talking about? How about you? Uh, Yeah, still a good movie for me. Not an excellent one. I think it's... it's, it's a hard movie to get to kind of come back to. It's not something you want to just pop in, even if you want to casually watch it. You know what I mean? It's it's a lot. It's it's a lot to take. Especially and... if you if you struggle with secondhand embarrassment as well, very difficult. I don't recommend this movie. Yeah, and there are again outside of the shooting, there are there are memorable scenes, but there isn't like like a standout like a, like a oh you wait till you get to this scene. There's mm-hmm. not really one of those in here. Which again, for other movies, it's like oh we're gonna get this banger, we're gonna get that one, we're gonna get this one. Mm-hmm. This movie is so subtle. It's so middle of the road. Very well accomplished. The acting is incredible. Steve Carell's creepy as fuck. <laughs> but 
Yeah, it's just I don't know when I'll revisit this movie. It'll probably be a long time, to be quite honest with you. Like, if we never decided to do this, maybe another five or ten years would have passed and I still yeah. would have watched this movie. Yeah. It's just one of those movies, I've. there's plenty of them. Again, not to compare it to something like, a, I don't know, like Requiem for a Dream. Great movie, probably will never watch it again. You know what I mean? Or like Memento. I like Memento a lot, but it just, it's just a movie I admire a lot, but never probably want to see it again. Well, we'll do it for this show because I've never seen it. Gear up for it. I'm going to put you through Jaws 3, 4, and <laughs> if they come out with a fifth one on tape, dragging your ass to the theater. <laughs> but I, I, I enjoy it. I'm glad you guys, or at least Adam, you enjoyed it. And um, yeah. I Hope. did enjoy it. I'm just yeah. No, I I I, I, I got right you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You rocked. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but no, I do want to check out one of the documentaries because again, like we talked about, it is really only like two acts of this movie. You're kind of left. They give you a couple little tidbits of information of what happened, but yeah, it'd be to nice to see like the disbandment of like the the house and the family and what happened to Foxcatcher and all that stuff. Maybe it'll happen rapidly. Maybe it happened. Over the course of a year. So I want to maybe see if any of that is worth uh, visiting. So, right. So, you want to take it away, Adam? Yeah, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It every Thursday morning on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. So let us know what you think of the movie Foxcatcher. What do you think of Steve Carell's performance, Channing Tatum's performance, Mark Ruffalo's performance? And is this the greatest wrestling movie you've ever seen of the five that probably exist? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Johnny. I'm Bridget. And thanks so much for listening. Bye.